0: Hope is alive. Are you ready for this year? I hope you're ready. <laughs> That's what goes on in my head. So they just captured what was going on in my head. But welcome this morning and, and welcome to a brand new year. I'm so thankful that God gives us a new season, a new year, as well as a new morning. He gives us, he gives us hope every single day. Now it's not the kind of hope that we kind of put on our lives where we say, I hope it doesn't rain today. Or I, I hope there, aren't, there are not no traffic, there's no traffic on the way home. Or I, I hope they got the right amount of ingredients. I hope that my, my paycheck is coming in. I hope, you see, when we say I hope, whatever follows that sentence will determine if I actually am hopeful or not. Because it's more than just wishful thinking. When we say I hope, sometimes we hang everything on hope. But the question is, what hope am I hanging everything on? Is it just wishful thinking? That I, I hope, I hope when I come home, dinner's made. I hope the rice is good. I hope the prices didn't go up. I hope... See, that kind of hope is, is, is just a hope that we use in a sentence to say, this is what I want. But it can be a temporary hope. I hope so-and-so is doing well. I hope things turn out better. I hope so-and-so is safe. You know, we, we say those things in, in, a, in a way for us to feel better about what could happen. But when God brings hope, it's a different kind of hope. It's not the kind of hope we're used to. It's a new kind of hope. And that's what this series is about. It's about this new hope that God gives to us is a hope that is alive. Which means it never dies. It's not based on circumstances. It is based on how good God is. Not on how good the circumstances are. So you can take out your notes with me. And and we're going to be talking about this new kind of hope. And I'm so glad that God gives us a new kind of hope. Because we are used to the hope we grow up with. If things turn out well, then we're hopeful. But what does, what does God's hope look like? What does it look like? Well, to sum it up, it looks like Jesus Christ. That's what God's hope looks like. But it, what, but it also, what, it, what hope doesn't look like is the worldly kind of hope or a humanistic kind of hope that it's a it's a temporary hope that's that's not the kind of hope God wants to give to us hope that he gives to us the kind that God offers is is eternal the hope the world offers or hope that the world offers or the the kind of hope that we're used to it's kind of like fireworks you know we just celebrated new years and and if you were a part of you know popping fireworks or watching fireworks, you know, the ones that go up in the air, the ones that, you know, aren't legal, but you enjoy watching it, you, you could see that when the fireworks went off, people would cheer. It's like, oh, wow. Or our children, when they pop fireworks, or, or your grandchildren for the first time popping fireworks, they get excited because something exciting is happening. Well, the hope of the world is kind of like that when you manufacture or when the manufacturers put together fireworks, they hope it works. They're putting it together in the hopes that when someone lights the fuse, it works. That's why it's called fireworks. Hopefully the fire works. And that's the hope. Now, when you light the fuse, you're hoping it works too. And is it in a bummer if you spend $300... On fireworks that don't work. That everyone you light is like, oh, $10, no work. $10, no work. Or if you go to a, a fireworks show and they're supposed to pop off all these fireworks and it's like 15, dollars $20,000, $30,000 and it doesn't work, there goes their hope. They hope it worked. But because it doesn't work, then their hope is gone. In other words, there's a dead hope. It just goes away. And now there's frustration. There's residue of pain. There's also rubbish that we leave behind. In fact, when we, when we cleaned up this past year, we have, we have uh, the evidence of temporary hope in fireworks that didn't go off or the rubbish of fireworks. Hope other than God's hope is based on circumstances. And it's found in the rubbish you and I had to clean up after New Year's. Eve and popping fireworks. In fact, when I was cleaning up, there's this one crackling um, firework that looks really good. It's just... And little kids can play with it. And it's like... And it's cool. But it's not cool when you have to pick up a thousand of these little things all over the place. And they don't disintegrate. It's plastic. They got to make these things out of paper. But you're picking these things up and it's just evidence of a quick hope. That was probably, what, a second and a half of a, yay, look at that. And then it's done. Now you have the residue. Or, or, or this one. Uh, this is the evidence of what took place in your yard when you're popping things in one area. As well as, you know, here in Hawaii we just gather everything up and then we burn it. We don't want to clean it up. So it's like, yeah, just throw everything in the fire. Just make one fire and then we're done. That's what happens in your yard—the evidence of what looked like hope. And then there's this one called pop pops. Now, as you grow up, you kind of pass this phase. Now, this is after cleanup. It looks like the Milky Way. It looks like stars. So somehow we got to figure out when we do pop pops, the whole thing disintegrates, but not the rubbish. I mean, but the rubbish stays behind. So. That, that took a lot to clean up. In fact, I said, you know what, that, that's as far as I'm going to go because that's as, I'm not picking up each individual one. I know we have children and we say, you know, children, you pick it up. They left already, so next year, <laughs> too bad. So this is what we do as adults. We say, you know what, we're not going to have all this rubbish. So what we're going to do is we're going to pop, pop, pops one time all in the bag. <laughs> that way we don't have rubbish. You just take the bag out and pop, yay, we're done. Clean up, throw it in the rubbish can. But that's pop-pops. I figure let's just take it a step up. Take the whole entire case and throw that thing down. And then you get it done that quickly. But then you take away the fun from the children. See, your your yard, and even when we're driving down the road, we're still going to see evidence of a quick hope. A a quick, I hope that firework works. Now in life, we're going to see evidence of what we call almost like a fictitious hope, a hope that is temporary. And we see it in everyday life. We, we hope things turn out well, but then it doesn't turn out well. We, we hope that, that the relationship gets better, but it doesn't get better. And sometimes we put our hope, all of our hope into things that are temporary. And nothing really wrong with that. It's just the world we live in, that it's a, it's a temporary hope. We just hope on things. But God says, I want to give you a better hope. It's a new kind of hope. You're still going to hope there's no traffic. You're still going to hope so-and-so gets better, health is better. You're still going to hope that you can do this diet that you just started after you pounded food on New Year's Eve. And you said, I'm going to eat as much as I can because I'm starting the diet on January 1st. And now you're suffering because you can't even have sugar or a donut or coffee, or soda. I'm not trying to tempt you. I'm just saying, isn't it hard? It's difficult. But we, we put our hope into things that will, will fade away. There's a story in the Bible when Jesus is choosing his disciples and he's teaching about the kingdom of God and, and, and what, what love is and what compassion looks like. And as he's teaching this, a, a man, a, a, uh, he's like a leader of the synagogue where they would worship and, and read the word of God he comes up to Jesus and he says, you know, my daughter has just died, but if you come, you can pray for her. You can bring her back to life. Talk about hope. I mean, this man came to Jesus with the hope that Jesus could do something about this man's daughter. Now, here's the good news and not so good news. Even when Jesus was alive... On this earth, not everyone was healed. But everyone Jesus prayed for was healed. Not everybody came to Jesus. Not everyone trusted in Jesus. Not everyone had the faith that Jesus could heal them. So they never trusted in him. They were more suspicious of him. And therefore they received no miracles. But those who trusted in him and those whom he prayed for, they were healed. Well, as this man is coming up to Jesus and he's saying, Jesus, can you, can you heal my daughter? Can you help me? As he's saying those words, it, there was a woman who was watching this. And, and as Jesus went to follow this man, this leader of the synagogue, a woman who had been unhealthy, for 12 years has hope in her heart that jesus could do something about her health and she follows jesus and her hope is that maybe he can do something about my illness in matthew chapter 9 verses 19 through 22 it says so jesus arose and followed him this leader going to the synagogue And so did his disciples. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around and and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that very hour. Now, when this lady comes to Jesus and, she, and her hope is that, that I can be healed by Jesus, her hope is, is so much greater than wishful thinking. It's with the faith that if I can just touch the edge of his garment, I'll be made well. In other words, she knows how powerful his healing power is. Therefore, if I can just touch anything that is near him, Him, Anything that is touching him, it's almost like a conduit to who he is. Because she wasn't trusting in the healing power. And she didn't go to Jesus for healing. She didn't trust in the healing. She trusted in the healer. She trusted in the very one who could bring healing to her. Her hope wasn't in healing. Her hope was in the healer. Her hope wasn't in the circumstances that, well, if, if, if everything turns out okay, wow, God is good. Her trust was in Jesus regardless if things would turn out good. Which, in tune with her faith, said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, all will be made well. How do you even develop a faith that strong? How does, how does that even happen? Well, she put her hope in a hope that is alive. She, put in, she didn't put her hope in a, a hope that was like fireworks, that if it goes well, then, oh, wow, nice, great, and then it goes away. Her hope was in Christ alone. This kind of hope is not circumstantial. This kind of hope that she had was in Christ, which is not circumstantial. Her hope in Christ is about his character. That she trusted in his character, his abilities, and who he is. As Lamentations 3, verse 21 through 23 says, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Or in the King James Version, therefore have I hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, we need to recall... To have hope because we forget don't we we forget in the power of jesus christ we forget about his compassion about his mercy and the renewal that god can bring to our lives with anyone's life so we got to recall to our mind these things and every single one of us are able to live with a new kind of hope by recalling to our mind three simple attributes of god And the first one is this that his mercy gives me hope Did you know that? His mercy will give you hope. Really, his mercy? I I played mercy before. Remember the game mercy? You would go up to another person, and it was an easy game. No batteries included. You didn't need internet connection. You would just grab hands of the person, the next person, and then you would play this game called mercy. And the way you win is you put them in submissional pain that they have to say, mercy. Mercy. So you squeeze their hands as much as you can, and if you're really good, you do this. You turn them around, and they're like ah. And the prideful ones would let their fingers break because they would never say mercy. And you're just you're pushing their fingers, and they're like, no, I'm not gonna say it, I'm not gonna say it. And you actually give up because they don't give up. And that was a quick, easy game called mercy. Well, God is not that kind of God where he puts so much pressure on you that you have to declare mercy. God is actually the opposite. He says, I'm going to take your pain and I'm going to give you mercy. I'll take on your pain. Therefore, because of his mercy, we have hope. See, mercy is, is what God doesn't give us that we deserve. Like if you're speeding, a police officer pulls you over and gives you a warning and says, you know, you are speeding and I pulled you over because it's not safe. But because of my mercy, I'm going to give you a warning. You deserve a ticket, but I'm going to give you a warning. You just received mercy. You received something you really didn't deserve. And we all deserve punishment because of this thing called sin. We've sinned against God, so Someone has to take the hit. It's like our children, when they do something wrong, you discipline them. Whether it's a timeout, a spanking, or you take something away, they got punished for something. Or disciplined for something. But what Jesus actually does is he says, I'm going to take your punishment for you. I'll take on the punishment. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die a shameful death, a painful death for you so that God can give you mercy Someone needs to pay for our sin, and Jesus says, I'll do it. I'll pay for it. Therefore, we have hope because Jesus paid for mercy. He paid, he paid for our sin so God could give us mercy. We should be punished for it. I, I liken it to uh, one Mother's Day, I, I got Heidi a wonderful gift. It's a gift that both her and I could benefit from. And mostly me because it's, a, it's called a punching bag. So I got Heidi a punching bag for Mother's Day. She loves this gift, got her some gloves. And so whenever she's angry at me, she punches the bag. Praise the Lord. And because of that, I have mercy. She took out all of her anger on the punching bag. And so when I hear her going off on the bag, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the mercy that God gives to us. It doesn't mean that his anger towards sin wasn't justified or, or wasn't, wasn't, uh, re, uh, wasn't relinquished. It means that he had to take out his wrath somewhere on sin and he took it out on his own son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ died a painful death but rose from the grave because Jesus died an innocent death. And because of that, because he paid the price for all of our sins, he could rise from the grave, overcome death, because he didn't deserve to die. And so he rose from the grave. That's why hope is alive. Because Jesus is alive and well. Now, we will, we will still receive consequences for our actions. But it's through the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. That he doesn't put his wrath on us. It's through the Lord's mercies. Nehemiah, verses uh, verse 31 in chapter 9 says, Nevertheless, in your great mercy, you did not utterly consume them nor forsake them, for you are God, gracious and merciful. His mercy gives us hope. Now here's, here's his promise to us about mercy, these three scriptures that we're going to look at next. Psalm 23, verse 6, we call it the Shepherd psalm. King David wrote this this psalm, and, and, and he writes this, Surely goodness... And mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, the hope that we have is a forever hope. That's why it's alive. Psalm 94, verse 18, it says, If I say my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. Listen, in 2016, you and I will slip up. But it's his mercies that will hold us up. That, that's why we can have hope. Ex- Exodus 25, verse 17, as they're building the tabernacle where they would meet with God, it says, you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. God says to the Israelites, specifically to Moses and those who are building the tabernacle. It says, you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two and a half cubits shall be its length and a cubit and a half its width. See, the mercy seat was where the the... The spirit of God would descend. And that's where, that's where the high priest would come in and, and they would sacrifice animals. And then the high priest would come in and, and sprinkle blood over the altar. And that was an indication that God's, God's anger towards sin was satisfied. Because the animals were sacrificed in place of us, of sin. Blood needed to be shed for the remission of sin. So now when the high priest went in and sprinkled the blood, it said, okay, okay, you guys are now reconciled back to God because death was paid. A sacrifice was paid. Atonement was made. So now we're reconciled back to God. And so this mercy seat was a symbol of, That one day, Jesus would sit on the mercy seat. That he himself would be the sacrifice for you and I once and for all, so that we could have this relationship with God. And because of his mercy, we are not consumed. Jesus took it upon himself. Psalm 103, verse 8 it says that the Lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in mercy. I'm so glad he's abounding in mercy. Psalm 106 verse 1 says, Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And how long does his mercy endure? Forever. Your mercy endures forever. It's a, it's a, a mercy that never goes away because his hope, the hope that he gives to us is alive. It's continuous. It's forever. And it's enduring. It doesn't go away. Nothing Nothing can destroy it. So we can recall his mercy. But not just recall to our mind because of his mercy that we have hope. But here's the second thing. That his compassion gives us hope. He has great compassion for you and I. It doesn't matter how far we've drifted from God, how many promises we made to God, how many times we've slipped up. God says, no, you're, my mercy and my compassion for you. When you recall this to your mind, you will have hope. The woman who had the flow of blood for 12 years. 12 years. Imagine being hopeless for 12 years. Or for 12 years finding hope. Hope. Maybe a doctor said, oh, it's going to be good. This, this next one is going to be good for you. And this woman said, okay, let's see if it works. And it doesn't work. Imagine hope going up and down, up and down. The, the psychological damage it does to us. The emotional roller coaster ride that we go through. But then she finally finally found true hope, a hope that is alive because of the compassion that Jesus had, the miracles that he performed. She knew that she wasn't going to be a person that Jesus would say, you are unclean because in those days that's what it was, you were unclean. But she was hoping in his compassion. And some of us this morning, maybe our hope in the Lord was, it's a it's a wrong hope. Maybe we're hoping that if I'm good, you'll accept me. If I'm good, if I do good deeds, then I can get to heaven. If, I'm, if I have good behavior and I say the right things, then you'll accept me. And God says, my compassions will fail you not. I love you just as you are. As filthy as you feel, as unworthy as you feel, my compassions will not fail you. I love you just the way you are. I'm going to cover you with my compassion. Therefore, you have hope. The hope that we have in Christ is alive. we got to recall this to our mind, otherwise we forget. we got to recall to our mind, therefore we have hope. Psalm 86, verse 15 says, But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. God is full of compassion. He has all the compassion we need. I, I, I liken it to cookies. Let me just continue before those of you who are on a diet are now going to fail. Cookies that when I would ask my mom for cookies and when I would ask my grandmother for cookies. When I would ask my mom for cookies, she would give me all the reasons why I shouldn't have cookies. Mom, can I have a cookie, please? Well, you know, it's, it's close to dinner. You're going to spoil your dinner. So no, no cookies yet. Mom, can I have cookies? Well, you had two already, so no. Mom, can I have cookies? With well, too much sugar, you're kind of hyper, so no. Mom, can I have cookies? Well, you have cavities, so no. So that was my mom's reasons and all valid reasons. But when I would go to grandma's house, I wouldn't even have to ask. I just walk next to the cupboard and grandma goes, do you want a cookie? And I said, yeah, I want a cookie. And she would just open up the, the windows of heaven And I would see the cookies on the top shelf. I could climb it myself, but it was so much greater. And grandma got it because it was like the angel of the Lord going, here you go. Ah." Then she gave it to me. And and it was this, this, I don't know what kind of cookies it were. Probably generic, but it was so good. And I would break the cookie in half. And I would see it. I'm like, I have two now. And now I could eat the cookies. And you would lick one and then bite the other. And it was just so good. Now I thought about the cookies. Grandma has a compassion with cookies that mom never had. <laughs> and God has a compassion over us that no one else has. His compassions fail not. His mercies are given to us. Therefore, we have hope. Listen to this new kind of hope. In Matthew nine thirty-six, And this is Jesus. When he saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. I mean, what do you do when you feel scattered? What do you do when you feel like you have no guidance and you have no hope? Well, Jesus has compassion for you and I. It'll be his compassion that gives us hope. When, when you feel like you're, you're taking one step forward, but then something happens and you got to go three steps back. It almost feels like hope fleets away from you. It's fleeting. But it'll be his compassion that gives you hope because you understand it. What about when you've tried everything for 12 years and every single one was a failure? You've tried everything. But now your hope feels like it's going away. And the hope you once had explodes right before your eyes like fireworks. And all you see left is rubbish. And no more hope left. Well, it will be his compassion that gives you hope. Psalm 145 verse 8, it says that the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and great in mercy. Great in mercy. Full of compassion. When you have something that is full, you can just keep dishing it out because it's full. And his compassion is full. He keeps dishing it out. Listen, God is not mad at you. Sometimes we think, oh, God's mad at me because I did this. He's not mad at you. But he is madly compassionate toward you. He doesn't, his compassions fail not. His mercies are new every single morning. We got to recall that to our mind. Therefore, we're going to have hope. Once we do that, we're going to have hope. And here's the last thing, that he renews our hope every morning. He renews it every single morning. Every morning. Imagine that. Every morning he gives us hope. Every single morning. It's a new kind of hope. It's a renewed hope. It's a hope that never dies, a hope that is alive. Every single morning. Now for the women, just imagine this. This morning, before you opened your eyes, a new kind of hope blossomed. Like flowers in a garden. For the men, imagine this. This morning, before you opened your eyes, a new kind of hope was made for you. Like freshly baked bread, steak and eggs from the kitchen. Freshly made. The women are like, how come I can't have that kind of hope? Well, we all have a new hope. You get the picture. God gives us a new hope every single morning. this kind of new hope that is given to us every morning, is the very reason we can hope in God. Because it's new every single morning. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 19, it says, For the law never made anything perfect. Never. But now we have confidence in a better hope through which we draw near to God. See, this new kind of hope can be new every morning because God is faithful. It's not just Hopeful thinking, wishful thinking, I hope God's mercy, I hope his compassion. It's not in that. It's not in the way we feel. It's in his faithfulness. That's where our hope lies. Just think of 2015 with all the ups and downs. Hasn't God remained faithful? Hasn't he stayed true to his word? Hasn't he continuously loved us and and gave us hope? Hope. He showed his faithfulness, even by sending Jesus to the cross. He took it upon himself to take the pain for us. Colossians 1, 27. It says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of, his, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I love that the Bible tells us that Jesus is the hope of glory. See, God didn't just stop there. Not only did he give us the hope of glory, which is Christ in us, but also this new kind of hope that doesn't disappoint. And he gives us proof to go with it through the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. See, if, if, if anyone understood this new kind of hope, it would be this woman who had been sick for 12 years. That leader of the synagogue whose daughter had died and Christ had brought back to life. They would understand this hope. That's why it's written in the Bible. So that we would understand that there is a hope that is given to us. In fact, I think many of us understand this new kind of hope because Jesus showed this hope to you and I on the day we received him as Lord and Savior and probably hundreds of times thereafter. But we understand this new hope, this new kind of hope because his, his love that was showed to you and I that we received him as our Lord and Savior. And through maybe through some kind of personal experience or event, or maybe someone prayed for you, or or maybe you came to church and you just heard something so powerful that God touched your heart and you knew that you had hope in Christ and that nothing else was going to turn you away from Jesus Christ. Nothing else could take you away from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And you experience that hope and you understand it. Maybe there was a healing or a renewal that took place. Maybe God provided or, or maybe he showed you something that you said, oh, I trust in you. And therefore, we have hope because of that. Recall that he renews his hope every single morning. We got to recall that. Romans 15, 13, it says, now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not only does God give us hope, mercies, and his compassion fails not. He gives us the power in which to walk in it. To the person of the Holy Spirit. See, God doesn't leave anything to chance. He says, I will also give you the power in which to walk in this hope. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 31, 24. I want to encourage you with this final scripture. To be of, good char- be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Let's make 2016 a different year than 2015 because of our hope in God. Let's start the year by putting our hope in him. Not a firecracker hope, not a hope that, that looks good for a little while and then goes away, but a new kind of hope. Uh, the, the kind of hope like this woman or this man whose daughter was healed or this woman who was healed after 12 years of trying everything. We will receive the healing power of Jesus who is the hope of glory. And I tell you, when you can put your faith in him and you can trust that his faithfulness will always be there, that he will be faithful, we can recall to our mind, therefore we have hope. For his compassions fail not. His mercies are new every single morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Let's make that commitment today to start this year with the hope that is alive. Could you say amen to that? Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? I'm going to ask Glenn to come to the keyboard also. Let's pray. You know, there's probably some of us here this morning that we have this hope. We understand this hope. But maybe through whatever circumstances came our way, maybe the circumstances told us that hope had died. Maybe the circumstances that we're looking at right now kind of took a hit and a toll on us. Maybe God is saying this morning, I want to renew your hope to put your trust in me. And even as a believer, we got to renew. we got to rededicate. And 2016 has many things in store for us. But even more important, God has a plan and a purpose for us in 2016. And he wants to let you and I know that the hope he gives to us will never die. Some of you are here and you're saying, well, I've, I've never put my trust in that kind of hope. I, I hope things turn out well, but I'm not sure. Oh, you, can, you can put your hope in Jesus Christ because he never will fail you. His hope is not based on circumstance. It's based on his character. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, I've never, I've never put my trust in him, well, maybe this is a great time to start putting your hope and your trust in him And begin 2016 with declaring that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. With every head bowed and eyes closed. If if that's you and you're saying, I I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Would you just lift a hand real briefly and I'll I'll pray with you. You don't have to stand or anything. Good. God sees your hand. Right there. Right here. Right here. Right there. Yeah. In the back. Yeah. You're putting your hope in Christ. In Christ alone. Right here. On this side. God bless you. Yeah. God sees your hand. He sees your heart. Back there. Yeah. God bless you. Yeah. Right there. God sees you. He's touching your heart. He's saying exactly what you need. Yeah, God bless you. You can put your hands down. Lord, I pray for those that they're saying, I I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I also pray for all of us who, we know you, Lord, but maybe today is is just a, a, a new day to rededicate our lives to you, to start fresh, Lord. We're not making promises, Lord, but we're trusting in the one who has promises we know we're gonna slip we know we're gonna fail but you never failed us so as a believer lord what we're saying is can you be our hope even that much greater in 2016 and that's you would you just lift the hand and you're saying lord as a believer i rededicate my life to you my heart to you i trust in you yeah lord i pray for all of us this morning That we would rededicate our hearts to you. And in doing so, we're saying, we trust you. We believe in you. And we're putting 2015 aside to look forward to 2016, that it's a new year. It is a new hope, a new kind of hope that you give to us. You can put your hands down. So, Father, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your mercy. Your compassion. And that you renew our hope every single day. We pray for our family, our loved ones. We pray for good health. We pray for protection. We pray that we'll continue to build great memories. We pray for all that we're going to go through in 2016. That you would already build that foundation for us. So that we would trust in you. Our foundation is you, Lord. The hope of glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen. Can we just applaud the Lord and give him a clap offering this morning to thank him. His mercy and compassion. What a wonderful father.